Get ready. Three, two, one, zero. You are listening to the Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Ryan Livergood, Trey Barrett, and Will Greenwood. That's right. We are the Fantasy Joes. We're back, full force, back from Europe. We've got Will Greenwood. Will, what's going on? Howdy. Glad to be back here in the States and back on the Joes after gallivanting around all over Europe. We missed you, my friend. We really missed you. It was a good time. <laughs> it was I, I kind of remember myself from I everything. I miss and, you guys. You know, I mean, you know, you guys were, the, you guys were still there, right? Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We moved on. We did a show and everything. We, we, we're carrying on. Right, Trey? Trey Barrett's joining us from North Carolina. That's right, man. I like that little MJ. That's right. You know, I, I am. Uh, I am also excited to have Will Greenwood back, and I think that we're onto something, Ryan. I think that we must play the England chant at the end of this podcast tonight because England was able to do something that they have not done in twelve years in winning a elimination round match at the world cup and i don't know that in their history that they have won a penalty kick shootout in the world cup i know they've lost their last three um and so for them to win that penalty kick shootout against colombia yesterday despite going down a goal it during the penalty kick shootout was amazing so i think that we're the good luck john i think it's all because of us we might be and just so you know, we're recording this on 4th of July. So happy belated birthday, America, number one. And number two, England will play Saturday. That will be before the release of this episode. So you will know whether or not <laughs> we are the good luck charm for England. So good luck against Sweden. We wish you the best of luck. And you'll know if they won or lost when you're listening to the show. So a, f- a funny story, a great side tangent here. Uh, when we were in France on this trip, uh, there, we, we were watching the Mexico-Sweden game. There was a couple in front of us where the, the guy was from Sweden and the woman was from Mexico. And it was right after um, Mexico had won 3-0 against uh, – or like 2-0 against Iceland uh, and, and Sweden was playing. And the guy was uh, – the whole time was saying, was like, oh, they're going to give Germany so many stoppage time minutes, so many stoppage time minutes. And then Sweden proceeded to play defense for the last like 20 minutes of the game and the last 10 minutes of those when Germany only had 10 men. And then they gave him like five stoppage minutes. You know, Germany scored that goal to beat Sweden uh, 2-1 with like, you know, just a few seconds left in the game. And I've never seen a man slam a napkin on the ground so many times in my entire life. So the, the joke between me and my friends now is that uh, when Sweden plays, so many napkins will be slammed. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Oh, it's a good lesson in life. If you play to tie, you're going to lose the game. It's just the way it is. Like Sweden, they, they, they backed off real hard. You see this. I mean, I'm not a, a, a super avid soccer fan, but I've watched quite a few games being that my, my direct boss, the company I work for, is a huge Tottenham fan and is, is from England. And every time you watch a team back off and, and really try to, try to lay back, it almost always screws them. It's, it's just like playing prevent defense. That, it, it doesn't always go well. Yeah, tying it back to the NFL, we said a lot in, in the NFL where the teams will be conservative and it gets them in trouble. So we'll, we'll uh, we, we we can we can uh, save the uh, World Cup talk for the Fantasy Does World Cup podcast that's launching soon, but let's get into something that's going to launch on Monday when this show will be out. And I have to say, if you're listening to our podcast right now Monday morning, if that's part of your routine, 
I want you to consider stopping it and trying to go over and listen to the Scott Fishbowl 8 Telethon. Uh, the, the guys at the Falafel podcast, Salito in particular, is organizing this podcast, and the Fancy Joes will be a part of it. We're going to join them at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, it's going to be two-thirds of us, Will Greenwood and myself, Trey Barrett. He's got this thing called The Job, and apparently he's got to go like save lives that day, so he can't join us. So we're going to join for, at 2 o'clock, listen to it. We're going to have some great giveaways thanks to um, w- one of our league mates, Matt Halverson. Um, so shout out to Matt if he's listening to the show. Of course he is. And it's going to be a good time. So that's the telethon on Monday. And Scott Fishbowl, we're just excited about it, guys. We're, we're going to talk a little bit about it. And one of the things I want to do, because Scott Fish just tweeted this today on, for, on 4th of July when we were recording this. He said, sometimes people complain about the publicity Scott Fishbowl gets when so many don't play. Remember that the publicity it gets helped raise over $25,000 for Toys for Tots. It pushes people to add a charity element to leagues, community, positivity, and getting to know new people. So I think that was a good tweet by Scott because we do, you do talk about it a lot. Most of your podcast you're listening to right now, we're talking about the Scott Fishbowl. And, and just keep in mind that it goes for it's a great cause. And I think there are a lot of things you can learn about the Scott Fishbowl talk that you can apply to your league. One of the things with Scott Fishbowl is you've really got to know your scoring settings, right, Trey? Because it really matters that you know this league in this format because it's totally going to change the way you draft players, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's a very unique – I think it's been – I think that this might be the first year that there was not a pretty substantial change made um, to the the scoring for uh, Scott Fishbowl, at least for the last few years that's the case. Um, and so, yeah, he's, he's kind of introduced the point per first down. So, um, and then he's also pretty significantly um, enhanced quarterback scoring as far as um, increasing the points that quarterback score for, the, for touchdowns and increasing the deduction for interceptions to try to reward those quarterbacks that, um, you know, the, that are not Blake Bortles. And actually, if your initials are BB, you get uh... – one point per incompletion. So watch out QB one. Yeah. That, that, I mean, it's going to matter this year because if the quarterback throws an interception or heaven forbid interception return for a, t- a touchdown, it, it impacts you. So yes, that matters. Well, so the, the, I just wanted to double check while we were talking about it. It's just, it's just half PPR and then tight ends full PPR and it's points per first down, which is a hard stat to find. Yeah. And, and I think that the tight ends actually get a full point per first down too. So he, he's, he's boosted. The, originally he had combined the wide receiver and tight end position. So there was not going to be a designated tight end um, starting spot. Um, so I, I'm going to, you know, I, I've, I put this up here on the screen so the other Joes can, can see this. Our listeners can't, but I, I did a breakdown because I, I think that it, it seems the, the pretty common theme for the Scott Fishbowl is that uh, it devalues wide receivers um, that the, the quarterback and the running back. And then of course the tight end, um, especially the, the top end tight ends have really been enhanced in their value, which we can kind of see with, with this kind of ranking I, I just basically put together a scoring over replacement value. But what I thought w- w- was very interesting is that the, based on the numbers that the, from last year, um, wide receivers one and two, value over replacement because I think that so many wide receivers are going to be started in this league. They actually came out as the seventh and ninth 
ranked players. So I, I just found it was interesting because I think that there's going to be a lot of leagues in Scott Fishbowl where Antonio Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, OBJ, who I think are the three guys that are capable of putting up that kind of a, a performance. I, I think that those three guys could really slide down into the second round. And so I think that there could be a real opportunity for some value um, for those top tier wide receivers. Then you, you see, you know, wide receiver three drops all the way down to, to 19th. So there's a, quite a drop off and then wide receiver four is until 25th. So, but the, those top wide receivers, especially Antonio Brown, um, I, I really think could, could be a, a decent value in these leagues. Yeah, that's an interesting observation, Trey, because you're right. Because I, when I think about my strategy going into this, I'm really interested in running backs and quarterbacks. And, and I'd like to get one of those elite tight ends if possible because that it, – it, so it's extra half-point scoring for tight ends for receptions and a half-point for first downs as well. So they do have that uh, big scoring edge. So I have a so where are you, what divisions are you guys in and where are you drafting? So I'm drafting from the first position. I am in the Arrested Development Buster Bluth division. So I'm excited about that. It's going to be fun. I it's it's a all of us have um, played against a bunch of pros, right? And and some um, some other Joes like ourselves that are that are going to be really good at this. So I, I'm excited about it. What about you guys? Who, who are you playing? Uh, um, you don't have to say you're playing against necessarily, but what division are you playing in and um, where are you drafting from? So I'm in the Larry David division. When I was submitting for this, I was like, well, what does one choose? Because uh, that, well, it's my first time being in the Scott Fishbowl, so super nervous. And clearly whatever division you choose is going to reflect on your character. And I was like, I don't know what to do. Who am I going to choose here? And I was like, well, you know, it's a really safe pick uh, for people who like kind of sarcastic humor or just kind of, making humorous uh, you know, you know, scenarios on day-to-day life. And so I went with Larry David. I feel he has a safe choice, not, not too risky, not, you know, not, not, not too boring. And I pick eighth in our league. And it got named, nicknamed uh, on Twitter almost immediately, uh, was it League of Death or, 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 you know, or whatever it was. That's we, right, the League of Death. Like John Paulson's in there. And he's a guy that I've, I've listened to for quite a long time. And I'm a four for four, four like subscriber and use that quite a bit. And I really like their website. Uh, we have a, you know, quite a few. There's, there's, I mean, it's gonna, it, there's some good ringers in this league. And I think this, it's one of the, the funnest parts about fantasy football is it's like last year, you know, you could have the same lineup in this league, but if I drafted Todd Gurley in the second round, I might be winning this league, you know? And that would be just not, not random chance, but the, the fact that my second round pick ended up being the, the league winner uh, is, is a lot of luck. And um, I am actually drafting from the fourth spot, um, which I'm pretty excited about as Ryan uh, struggles to decide who he's going to take first overall. I, I really, I think at least I'm going to have the luxury of kind of just kicking back and, and taking whichever of those top four running backs falls to me, which, you know, I, I can't picture any of them that I will be disappointed in because I think whoever I get at four is likely to be taken at one overall and, and, you know, a, a litany of the uh, SFBA league. So, um, and I'm in the Dwight Schrute division, uh, clearly one of my favorite uh, characters, man. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to, I'm going to be blowing up Twitter with, uh, with gifs of the, uh, the Schrutester during the Scott Fish Bowl. So I'm pretty excited about, 
you guys, you know, we, we've talked about this and, and how we're going to kind of collaborate on each of our teams and, and try to just kind of, when we're on the clock, discuss the options that are there, what direction we might go. Um, do you guys have a general idea of the strategy that you're going to tackle this league? Um, and, and obviously, you know, Ryan, you're going to be taking a running back first overall. I'm likely going to be taking a running back at the four spot. Uh, Will, have you thought much about what you're doing at the eight spot? Like if you, you know, which which positions are you going to hammer early and, and which positions are you feeling like you're going to kind of hold on to a little bit later on in the in the draft? Well, I know all my competitors are, are listening because they're much bigger names in the fantasy football world. So I don't even know if I want to give that away. That's, that's kind of some some risky business. But the, the, the good news is when we're when we're when this is released on Monday, you know you're, you're going to be like a couple of rounds in your draft, so you can probably share what you're going to do the first second rounds. Well, oh no, I'm, I'm holding out the clock the whole time. <laughs> that guy, just kidding. It's, uh, no, I, I, uh, I think it depends kind of what happens those first eight picks ahead of me. I'll be curious to see who and if anybody takes a quarterback or a tight end early. Uh, I would really, I, I kind of foresee myself if those if those top five like Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, Ezekiel, David Johnson. If Kamara's there, I might go Kamara because uh, I am a really big fan of his, and he's not a guy I own a lot of other places. And I think his potential in this scoring format is going to be just just massive. Uh, it, because they also, if he's if he's going to return kicks again this year and things like that, that count. Uh, that, that I think Kamara has a really great chance. Otherwise, I could I could also see going kind of conservative and maybe taking a quarterback there, or you know having a really good time and just just going full like YOLO and taking Gronk. So I've thought about this a lot, and, and I, one thing, Trey. So I, I played in you know I, I played in two satellite leagues last year, and I've won two. I've said that a million times, I know. But, but from that experience, <laughs> it, it's helpful because I reflect on what worked for me. And to be honest, it's not necessarily who you take early. It's it's for for those teams, it's who I decided to take late. And I got lucky in some of those leagues. Um, I had one league where I had Andrew Luck, and I drafted him. I think in the second or third round, maybe on the turn. And obviously, he was out for the year. But I had Alex Smith and Jared Goff on my team because I drafted them super late. So that that was somewhat somewhat lucky, right? But I also, if you look at those teams, I had guys like Alvin Kamara that I drafted super late. I, I was heavy on tight ends. I, I did focus on tight ends. So I think I'm going to go running back early. Shock if anyone is listening in the Arrested Development Buster Bluth. Um, the, the, no spoiler there. But then on the turn, if there's one of those type top elite tight ends there, I'm definitely going to think about it. But I might do running back. I might do two QBs. It just really depends on who's there. Because I think, But I think it's important to hammer QBs, hammer running backs. I, I don't expect to get lucky again if I lose one of my QB one that I'm going to have the, the 2018 Alex Smith and Jared Goff on my team, you know? So I want to make sure I've got at least two real strong quarterbacks. Cause I think that's an important position. So no, I can't wait. It's like a holiday this Monday. I feel like it should be a fantasy football holiday. Everyone should take off work. I'm taking off work. I'm going <laughs> to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy the, the telethon. I'm going to enjoy you know, the draft and just, just have a, have a grand old time. Yeah, I, li- I like that. I, I think that, um, you know, I think that um, last week, uh, Peter Overzet that we had on um, filling in as admirably as we as he could for the world traveler uh, of the Joes. I, he said it that mm-hmm. it's a choose your own adventure. I, I, and I mean, I, I don't think you could say it any better, because if you if you come down here to the to the, you know, in this scoring that, again, our listeners can't see, but. Uh, when you hit the end of the fifth round, you know, after, after 60 here, 
I mean, really, you're looking at uh, of those top 60, there's been 18 quarterbacks, 17 wide receivers, and 17 running backs. Um, there's been eight tight ends, which is about half, and and you expect to, you know, about double the number of quarterbacks, wide receivers, and running backs to be started uh, compared to the tight ends. So the parity of of the scoring value above replacement is is so even though at the top it's like you know the the wide receivers don't that many don't get in there but then in those rounds three four and five I think you're going to see a lot of those elite wide receivers that would normally come off the ra- the the board in rounds one and two in a in a normal PPR type uh, the typical structure you know even redraft leagues I know running backs will be heavy early too in redraft but um, so I, I just think that there's it's going to be very interesting there's going to be some values some guys that fall. I think that uh, Ryan, you, you hit the nail on the head. You know, I don't think you're going to, you're going to, you're not going to win this draft by taking the right guys in rounds one, two, and three. I think you're going to be mostly lucky in rounds one, two, and three to avoid injury. Uh, But I think that the area you're really going to win this league or be competitive in this league is, is that in rounds, you know, 10 through 18, you kind of hit on some high upside guys. And so it's going to be very interesting. I'm really, I think that's probably the thing that I'm most excited about is I, I don't know if any of you guys, any of our listeners have ever done a collaborative draft. I know we did one last year in a league where the three of us collaborated. We kind of shared a team and I thought it was a really great exercise because there were guys you wanted to take the, the one of you would want to take and they weren't anywhere on my radar and I wasn't really interested in taking them, but then I kind of heard your rationale and why you'd take them over to the, the guy that I was considering. And I thought, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And so I'm very excited about um, building each of these teams, collaborating, and just kind of seeing some of the thoughts and, and some of those guys. I, I've been trying to spend a little bit of time. And it's helping me really prep for uh, redraft season in general and, and maybe some of the guys to buy even in dynasty leagues. Um, yeah, I'm really looking at those guys that I think could kind of – either come out of nowhere to have a big fantasy season um, or guys that I think are just, you know, like a Randall Cobb, for instance, that um, just has some high, has some upside. Maybe he's not coming out of nowhere, but, you know, is it unreasonable for Randall Cobb to be a top 18 wide receiver this year? No, it's really not unreasonable. I don't expect that, but um, I I just think that there's some guys that uh, are going to be pretty interesting to take and uh, take some chance. I mean, I mean, you're not going to win a 900 team league without hitting on a few guys late. So it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, for sure. It's going to be so much fun us collaborating on this. And what I love about where I, I'm at, because at first I wasn't sure I felt about the number one spot. I'm like, God, I'd rather be like number four, like Trey, but picking on the turn it's going to force me to take some chances and to reach for guys. And I kind of like that in a league like this, because you're going to have to take some chances. If you not only want to win your division with a bunch of sharks that we're playing against, but if you want to have a chance at, uh, you know, moving on into the playoffs and competing. So yeah, no, it's going to be fun. I think we should probably move on though, from uh, the Scott fishbowl talk guys. And we should get into. Great Scott. Great Scott. Great Scott. Great Scott. I know, this is heavy. So we're going to move on to our next segment, and in a segment we're calling Great Scott! How good bad was our 2018 startup draft done in 2017? So, 
listeners, you don't know this, but a year ago, it was May, June, 2017, we got together and we thought, even before we formally started the podcast, and we said, hey, let's do a 2018 Dynasty Startup Draft. And we, we did it, and it's interesting to look at the results. The lineup, one QB, two running backs, two wide receivers, a tight end, and two flex. We said we were going to draft 10 rounds, and we just about did four rounds, not quite. But we're going to talk about the first 45 picks. Um, this was half-point PPR scoring. Uh, obviously, the 2018 rookies were eligible for the draft. So what I'm going to do is I think I'm just going to read the uh, first 12 picks, and we'll talk about what we learned. So, so this is interesting. We're going to do this again this year right now and talk about it a year from now. But back then a year ago, the number one pick overall for our 2018 Dynasty Startup, which, which we did in 2017, remember, thus the Back to the Future music, David Johnson, number one pick. The 102, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, the third pick overall, Ezekiel Elliott. Then number four, Mike Evans. Amari Cooper was number five. Le'Veon Bell, number six. Antonio Brown, number seven. Corey Davis, number eight. Who made that crazy pick? Oh, that was me. Um, Julio Jones, number nine. A.J. Green, 10. Leonard Fournette, 11. And Sammy Watkins, number 12. Uh, I'll let you have three guesses who made that pick. The first two (laughs) don't count. Um, So that's it. Um, David Johnson, Beckham, um, Jr., Ezekiel Elliott, Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, Love Bell, Antonio Brown, Corey Davis, Julio Jones, A.J. Green, Fournette, and Simi Watkins. What did we learn from this, guys, the, the, our first round a year ago? Any lessons here? Uh, I think, well, one that uh, wasn't ready. Well, I, I, so I, I had David Johnson, the first overall pick, and that's kind of a homer one for Iowa. Uh, University of Northern Iowa, God bless. Uh, but anyway, the, we were not ready for the running back uh, change. In- no. No, we weren't. Up. You know, we were pretty new at doing this. I think this is a super fun exercise. And honestly, I think you should do it for yourself. Uh, like, look at what you did last year or look at drafts prior that you did. And I, I did this as we were talking about it, I think, because uh, there was a league that I got, like, Jack, Jandra Hopkins in the second round, things like that. But anyway, uh, yeah, I definitely, I was so high on wide receivers coming into Dynasty as a more, I guess, like a newer, a newer player overall into Dynasty. And that was one lesson I learned right away is that the, the when you invest in young wide receivers, just, just kind of calm your expectations. They're not going to, not, not everybody's the next Antonio Brown. Yeah. I, I think a couple things looking at this first round that I learned is that sometimes I think in dynasty, we um, overvalue the youth and the hope for production. We see here Amari Cooper, you know, being take, I think what it was a fifth, right? And then, um, you know, Sammy Watkins being taken 12, which I, you know, were both picks of mine. And, um, and, and then you see uh, Julio Jones and A.J. Green here going in the, in the top 10, ninth and 10th overall. And those guys have, have slid down now to, you know, 13 and 20, which isn't a huge drop. But I think that, you know, kind of over predicting that, you know, the Cooper and because neither Cooper nor Watkins had done anything. Uh, last year we were doing this draft to justify them being taken at this point. It's that we, well, we being I, since I took both of them in the first round, that I expected kind of breakouts to come for those two players, and and that didn't happen. Um, and, and then with Julio and A.J. Green not really getting on the front end of that, you know, like if you're trying to sell Julio and A.J. Green now, you're really not getting what you could have last year this time. 
because obviously there there were there were guys like us that were still thinking that this year they'd be first round dynasty startup picks and so you know trying to just stay on the front end of that age drop off um i i think is something worth considering yeah and i don't really have much to add because uh, I think that those are the two lessons and lessons we learned throughout this draft. Will, you talked about the the running back renaissance that we had. We just weren't seeing that a year ago. At least we weren't. And the, the, yeah, younger wide receivers and older wide receivers with younger wide receivers, you know, they don't necessarily re- retain their value. They don't necessarily pop that second year, third year. Somebody might be a Kevin White one year and have a tremendous value and then they might drop off a cliff the next year. So I think that's one of the things to remember about younger wide receivers and yeah, older wide receivers, that's why, you know, I, I talked about it a couple of shows ago with, with Julio Jones and AJ Green. I mean, you, this is still a good window to sell those guys because eventually, you know, like they could drop off a cliff, like, uh, like one of the guys we're going to talk about in the second round. So I, I think I'm going to jump to the second round and I'm just going to read these names. I'm not going to tell you the picks. I'm going to tell you the 201. It's DeAndre Hopkins. Then you've got Michael Thomas, Allen Robinson, T.Y. Hilton, Des Bryant. Oh, who made that pick? Me again. Melvin Gordon, Brandon Cooks, Todd Gurley, Devontae Adams, Doug, Waldman, Doug, Waldman, Doug Baldwin, Keenan Allen, and then Christian McCaffrey. So those are the picks in the second round. Talk, talk about Des Bryant. That, that's the one that sticks out, right? And, and maybe that was a little high back then. I don't know. But, but you know, his, his ADP certainly was higher a year ago. And, and I think the, the lesson there is, is just, you know, um, I, you know, I don't know, because age-wise, he's still, you know, at his peak. And um, I, I guess just, just to look at the overall body of work and, and not get too captivated by certain moments, certain things you see on TV with Des Bryant, because I, th- I think with this pick, and when I think about Des Bryant, we were, you know, you know looked at him and the Dallas Cowboys offense with, with Zeke that was emerging, and it clearly had to be the number one, and Dak was emerging. You're associating this, this wide receiver with this QB that's going to be amazing. But I think there were signs. There were there were signs a year ago, with his injury history, that um, that he may not ultimately be this elite dynasty prospect. So that's the that's the name I latch onto, guys. But there's some other lessons here as well. I, I think it also shows what injuries can do. Like T.Y. Hilton, um, he didn't get injured last year, but Andrew Luck was injured, and how injuries can play such a big role in ADP, and and you really can't plan for that other than to just be aware it, it, it happens. And then think about when guys drop in value, you might want to pounce on them and buy them while their value is low. So, um, Will, other, other takeaways from round two? So uh, one thing about T.Y. Hilton, and I was thinking about this before we were going to chat tonight, is I think actually if Andrew Luck doesn't play this year and Jacoby Brissett is the quarterback again, I think this is a great buying opportunity for T.Y. Hilton. So Jacoby Brissett was traded for pretty late in the game, if you guys remember, to the Colts. And when you're the most important position on the offensive side of the football uh, and you're learning a brand new offense and coming to a team, that is going to be a mess. And it was, and that should have been more expected when that, I, mean, I guess it, it, I, I don't think it wasn't, it should have been more expected, but uh, it was an expected result. And so Jacoby Brissett in the same, you know, on the same team uh, in, in an offense new, you know, they're, they're, they have some change, uh, some turnover now, but the, the court cast in the offense is very, very similar. And so I think, if that, if it's, let's say Andrew Luck decides he's like, oh, I actually can't play. I'm retiring. Uh, I'm actually going to go out and put some offers out there for T.Y. Hill and see what that owner wants. Because the, even even if you have a, a mediocre quarterback, 
when you have a talent like T.Y. Hilton and what he can do, uh, I, I think you would get him at a great value. And he could still end up being, I don't, you know, maybe not like a wide receiver one, but, you know, let's say top top 18 pretty easily. It was a mistake last year because, you know, Andrew Luck didn't play. And I was kind of excited. Another side note about Des Bryant, because I wanted to check it out because this is a, a thing that I'm into now is the betting odds on where they're going to sign because the people who set these have way more money on the line than any of us ever do. And so Des Bryant's betting odds, what do you think the number one team is for odds wise that, that he's going to sign for? Man, I have no idea. Cause the teams that I, I thought were top of the list, uh, the, the Seahawks and the Packers, they, they've kind of either said they're not going to with the Packers, or the Seahawks, they signed Brandon Marshall. So who's next? Uh, Trey, you have any guesses? I'm, I'm struggling here. Uh, it's, I think it's odds by uwager.eu, also known as Sportsline, and this was June 21st. Timeline. June, June 21st. You know, I, I've heard some whispers about some of the teams that are just really void of talent, um, you know, like the, the Bills, uh, the Jets. Uh, but I don't know that either of those teams really have hopes of contending. So I'm, I'm trying to think of a team that contends um, – Picking him up. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. I wonder about a team like Arizona. I know they haven't really been mentioned, but you know, I, I think that. Man, I don't know. Oh, it, it's probably really. gonna. Yeah, it's probably gonna be a team that loses somebody like in the in the preseason. Unfortunately, they lose their wide receiver one or, or wide receiver two, and they need the the depth. So they got and signed Des. You know, a perfect team for Des would be the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, if you look at their receiving core. And what they oh, that's not gonna work. no 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 they have Alan Hearns uh so the the number one <laughs> the, the 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 big favorite from this uh, this is from NinersNation.com referencing all this is uh that the Titans were the heaviest favorite so you you bet two hundred to win hundred uh, as far it's a negative two hundred uh, they were they were the heavy favorite uh, next was the Houston Texans which is uh you, you were to bet one hundred you get two hundred back uh, followed by the Giants Packers. Uh, then the Redskins, and then the Niners at the end. Interesting. So the Titans, yeah. I, I, that's shocking to me, but also betting organizations typically have, I mean, if, if, if this was Vegas, it'd probably mean a little bit more, but but betting organizations pretty typically have really good information where they're setting their lines from. And this was kind of shocking to me that it went, that it went Titans, Texans, Giants, Packers. Yeah, it, it's shocking to me too. I just don't see the Titans – going after Dez and what they're trying to do there. It just doesn't make a lot of sense uh, to me. Uh, why, why would you like poison Corey Davis? You're trying to develop as a, a wide receiver, for example, I, I, cause I, I think that we have some evidence that Dez is not a great locker room presence. So I, I don't know. I, to me, it seems like it would have to be a, a veteran team that's trying to contend that, that just needs his talents and they think they can, they can put up with that. So I don't know. And that has a quarterback that can get him the ball. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Sorry, Marcus Mariota. <laughs> well, that's the same thing with Dak, though. Like, there, yeah. Well, well, Trey, what did you learn from uh, round two here of the uh, our, our 2018 Dynasty startup we did a year ago? Well, I want to just throw this out real quick. Not not to throw shade on, on Will's um, buying – T.Y. Hilton but you know I wonder too you know T.Y. Hilton's 27 I'm sorry 28 years old and and so I don't wonder looking forward I think that for this year that that there's there's some potential production there I I like the take with Jacoby Brissett and I think Jacoby Brissett if if luck doesn't play is a really sneaky play in super flex leagues but 
I just wonder too why Hilton, I mean, his contract is already, he's already cuttable. I mean, I think that he's got like 4 million dead cap this year and about half that for next year. So I just wonder at 28, going to be 29 next year, is he really going to get re-signed somewhere to be a number one wide receiver and get that kind of money? Um, what happens if Andrew Luck isn't healthy um, and, and, you know, Luck is – or um, Hilton's kind of the only show in town. Like, I, I do think that he can be productive this year, but I just wonder, you know, having just talked about – mainly because of his age, I'll say. I don't – it's not that I don't think he's he, he's talented and, and he's produced, but it's it's mainly the age. Um, so – and then for, for me, what I learned in – and, and this, you know, for me, obviously, you know, Sammy Watkins – uh, taken there at the end of the first round. He's a guy I still believe in. And, and so that kind of leads into, I, I think you got to continue to DeAndre Hopkins and Keenan Allen are two of the guys I took in this round. And, and those are two guys that I have in a lot of leagues. So when I took them in this particular mock, looking forward a year, it was because I felt like they were being discounted when there wasn't really uh, a good reason. I think Keenan Allen got this, you know, injury prone label that I, I think that he, continues to shake I've you know I I tried to trade Keenan in one league and I I mean even though he's a first round startup pick right now he's not being valued that way in in some leagues and you know a couple of the guys that I you know wasn't when negotiations with they're just like oh he just he's just an injury waiting to happen and so I think sometimes we you know build whether it's injuries or you know like DeAndre Hopkins I think was an interesting example from from last year where you know, he's coming off, you know, he had one year of really great production and coming off a, a year where he kind of struggled. Um, and, and so I, I think that you just have to continue to um, get the guys that you like and that you believe in. Um, but at the same time, and I guess Todd Gurley is another example. I mean, he, he went, uh, you know, what, like the eighth pick of the second round here in this draft. And um, I mean, now he's up there in the top three. So another guy where if you really believed in him, he, he had kind of a rough year, but there were some changes, right? I mean, you know, Keenan Allen was, was uh, getting healthy and, and coming into the season healthy. You had DeAndre Hopkins who had a new quarterback coming into town. Todd Gurley had a new uh, head coach coming into town, this offensive minded head coach. Nobody knew what to expect. So I, I think sometimes that we have to realize that, guys that have done it before that we've seen flashes from that we believe in the talent and, and there's what seems to be a potential positive change in their, in their um, situation um, that, that you can, you can buy into that a little bit. You can, you can take some chances because, you know, guys that, that took chances on some of these players, you know, if you got Todd Gurley, as, as Will mentioned earlier, if you got Todd Gurley in the second round last year in either a startup or a redraft league, you know, that, that sets you up pretty good moving forward. So, yeah. And, and I like, I like all those things you said, Trey, and you'd crushed it the second round, my friend with uh, Deandre Hopkins, Todd Gurley and Keenan Allen. You, you drafted all three of those guys and you're right. They all fit a profile where either they had done it in the past and, and you know, something had changed and was going to change back so they could do it again. Um, or their situation can change completely. A talented guy like Todd Gurley with a new coaching staff coming in. So I, I, I really like that a lot. And we did pretty well the first two rounds, I got to say, guys. I mean, the only, only guy that was outside the top 48 in current ADP was Dez. So, uh, Will, did you want to add something before we move on? Well, I was just going to say, uh, if, if, if Allen Robinson comes back this year and is a huge producer because he was taken in the second round, I, again, by trade, I, I don't have any issue with that pick, you know, at, at the time when it was happening because you can't expect – the dude's going to tear his ACL on his first catch of the season or anything like that. You're expecting to bounce back 
to some great production because he is a really good receiver. And I think this is, again, one of those examples where you look at how you would choose it a year prior, and uh, Allen Robinson goes down with an injury. He's changing teams, so, you know, factor that a little bit. But if he goes out and produces, uh, you know, a, like a top 14 wide receiver uh, year this year, you know, he's going to jump right back to where he was, and this is going to look like the, a value. Yeah, good call on that. Hey, I want to ask you guys real quick before we move on to the next round, and this is related to Will, your pick um, of Melvin Gordon. And, and I see here that, you know, so la- last year when we did this exercise, you took Melvin Gordon as the sixth pick of the second round, right? We've 18 had this overall, incred- yeah. So 18 overall. We've had this incredible running back renaissance that has, has take, is taking place in the NFL, yet he's four spots lower than that. And all he did last year was just put up another season of 1,400 yards and 12 touchdowns, back-to-back years where he's put up that kind of production. And, and as I'm looking at this, I wonder, is, is Melvin Gordon becoming a value? I know that there's some concerns um, in, in San Diego about usage, but, and, and there's you know, some, some concerns about productivity, and I think it's just volume-related. But I, I don't know about you guys. They have an incredible defense. I expect the Chargers to be in the thick of the hunt for the playoffs and Super Bowl this year. So I, I just feel like Melvin Gordon uh, going at 22 right at the end of the second round in Dynasty could be a value. I mean, the guy is only – what is he, 24 years, 25 years old? I think he's only been in the league for three years. So I don't know. I just – it just kind of caught me when I was looking at that. Yeah, because he dropped, he dropped heavily. He he's just a guy that that gets disrespected all the time. I, I mean, uh, people just more people than not just tend not to like him about Melvin Gordon, and will point to a reason that he's not going to perform as well the next year. But no, I I can see that. I can see him him being a value by Trey. But like, how long do you think? Yeah, first of all, do you think San Diego will resign him when his when his contract is up? And um, number two, how how long do you see him being this? Uh, you know, RB one, this top twelve running back. Well, he's twenty five. I, I just looked it up. He he just turned twenty five in April, so I, I don't see any reason. And, and I don't know his con his contract situation, but I don't know that he. I don't see any reason that he can't be incredibly productive during his age twenty five, twenty six, and twenty seven seasons. So I mean, two or three more years of of running back one production. If you can get that at the end of the second round. I mean, that's a really, really good um, good value. So I, I just – I don't know. I, I feel like that when, when you – and I don't know where he was among running backs last year, but, you know, there's the, – the head coach there is a, is a running back guy. And um, I, I think that – I think that there's going to be some real opportunities for him there in the red zone, especially losing Hunter Henry. I think that he could be used a little more in the passing game in the red zone. You've got you've got Keenan Allen on the outside. You've got Mike Williams. Um, so yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just feel like when you've put up when, – when, when in the NFL, in your second and third season in the league, you put up 1,400 yards and 12 touchdowns, um, I don't care what your yards per carry is, and you're playing on a team that's expected to be a contender – um, that I think will have a good offense, a top 10, top 12 NFL offense with, with Rivers and Keenan Allen and, and Melvin Gordon. I, I just think that, man, that, there's an incredible opportunity there. I don't see any reason that they wouldn't want to keep him around. He's been relatively yeah, yeah, healthy. They, they, yeah, they, Go ahead, Will. I think you're going to say what I was going to say. Oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> they, they picked up his fifth year. It was, it, was a little, it was a little while ago that they did that. Back in April, He's super yeah. cheap. Yeah, so. 
He's uh, a buy for me. And the Chargers, their their first round uh, offensive lineman pick last year, like tore his ACL like right away. Uh, before that, and then they added. Didn't they add Derwin James this year? Yes, they, this yes, they did. And, uh, really good. and so really one, good. that defense is going to be uh, insane yes, after being so good last year because Bosa even held out early, and then he ended up being uh, incredible, like just incredible uh, in, in his rookie year. Uh, and, and so the yeah, the Chargers. I mean, losing Hunter Henry. I think opens up some more dump offs and things like that to Melvin Gordon with, with that offense. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I think Melvin Gordon just don't, ex- I, I have a hard time projecting further than two years. And I think that's why he's dropping so hard. And also because he's just got of hate because you see the pictures. He's not the guy who has the pictures of like thunder quads, you know, like Saquon Barkley or anything like that. He doesn't get the same kind of hype as everybody else does, but uh, just, just buy the production. I mean, Fantasy points win you championships, not pictures on Twitter. Yeah, signed through 2019, uh, and, and that defense is going to be a beast. It, it's, uh, you know, I'll, I'll make a hot, bold, spicy take right now. They're going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars of 2018 in terms of uh, DSTs. I think they're going to be awesome. Let's move on. Uh, so third round. Th- this is where it gets kind of interesting. This is where we start to have some some pretty decent misses. Uh, I think we all do in this round. <laughs> uh, Easy test, Brian. Yeah, 25th overall, 301, Derrick Henry. Then Joe Mixon, Gronk, Josh Doxson, Saquon Barkley. There's a nice value. Stephon Diggs, Dalvin Cook, Devonta Freeman, Jarvis Landry, Cortland Sutton, Devontae Parker, and Travis Kelsey. So that those are your guys that went in the third round. And obviously the big misses there, Josh Doxson, who is going now at the 111 spot, June ADP. Uh, Cortland Sutton is going 72, and then uh, Devontae Parker. So those are the kind of our big misses there. And then some, some really good values, though, right? Like Saquon Barkley. And, and, you know, once again, I don't know that, that we could have projected he was going to have the, the year he did in college that he did. And uh, we knew he was good. But, I mean, he proved his, his, uh, his last year of college that he, he's pretty phenomenal. So... I think for me, that's the takeaway. Once again, getting back to this whole younger wide receiver thing, um, you, you think these guys gonna gonna break out, but if if they don't break out, and a guy like Cortland Sutton, if you know, with Debbie players, you know, guys that look like they're going to be um, these guys that are going to be like you know top three rookie picks, that doesn't always happen. So it, it's just with with this younger talent, uh, especially in a startup, you you, know, you, you want to lean towards guys that have shown something and, and not necessarily guys that haven't. Uh, other thoughts, guys? Yeah, the, I think one of the, the things we've been talking about is, so I had two picks back-to-back, and it was Stefan Diggs and Dalvin Cook. And you look at the way that their ADPs have changed, and Stefan Diggs had a good season, uh, and Dalvin Cook only played a handful of games. And now he moved up from, you know, our our mid, you know, later, like, like mid-later third round right. uh, to – He's going. He's one ranked and being taken super high uh, in drafts, and he really scares me. And so does Diggs because both of them have injury issues, and we're not just talking about like one or two. And it's not. Uh, it's not Keenan Allen where they lacerated their kidney somehow on a tackle, and it's some freak injury. These are soft tissue stuff or shoulders or reoccurring things. So uh, they they definitely scare me more, even though they look like huge values. Now that I grabbed them in the third round last year, uh, they still. I still am not overconfident in what those what those turned out to be. Like the, I'm, I mean, I'm, I, it's fun that they did, but they they still are both, I think, very scary picks. Yeah, it's fair. Also, tough guys to sell though, because I, I agree with you. Looking at Dalvin Cook's injury history, 
that scares me, especially now his ADP is 16 overall. So you're using an early second round pick on him, but at the same time, he's just so tantalizing. If you own Dalvin cook, it's really hard to sell him. I think, I mean, it's easy to say he's a sell. You should sell him, but Oh man. I, I mean, he, he could just be an amazing <laughs> dynasty asset for you. Couldn't he? It's, 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 I think the, the loss of Shermer in, in Minnesota is being underrated. Yeah. For, for worth. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, Trey, uh, what, what are your thoughts here? The third round. That's crazy to me. Like other than Saquon Barkley, like who in this, who in the, there's not a lot of guys in this round that you're really, really excited to have on your dynasty roster. I mean, you know, the tight ends, you got Gronk and Kelsey, right? There's going to be some production there, but long-term do you, like, do we really feel what they're going to do much beyond a year or two? You got like Derek Henry, Joe Mixon, uh, the aforementioned Dalvin cook, Devonta Freeman, like, do we really know what, what all those guys are really? And then the wide receivers, it's like Jarvis Landry on the new team, Cortland Sutton, Devontae Parker, you know, still unproven, untapped potential on both counts. And then Will mentioned Stephon Diggs, and, and I'm as big of a Stephon Diggs. You know, Stephon Diggs is probably one of those guys that kind of, you know, would qualify as, you know, like the Corey Davis being in round one, you know, it's all potential or, or, or Amari Cooper that, that I took, you know, fifth overall, it's all based on potential. And Stefan Diggs, I mean, through three great games last year was the number one wide receiver in the NFL for fantasy. And then he got hurt and that injury lingered. So, you know, it's just, I, I look at these guys and it's just a quite, quite a mix. Um, you know, Joe Mixon, Josh Doxson, of course, there's still some believers out there, although there must not be many that he, since he's being taken, you know, after the hundredth overall pick in dynasty startups, but, um, you know, it's, it's just very interesting because it's only the third round and, and things are already getting dicey. Yeah. There's question marks with, with all these guys that, I mean, obviously the Saquon is, is, you know, in real dynasty ADP, the third round guys, there, there seems to be questions. Um, and I should mention, or, Oh, sorry. Like, like Devontae Parker. <laughs> like Devontae Parker. Right, third round. He sucks. No, I'm just kidding. And, and then well, let's go, go to the fourth round. And we'll talk about guys that, that we didn't pick at all. And, and there are some obvious reasons for that when we say their names. But uh, this is an incomplete fourth round. We just did 10 picks. Actually, 11. And I'll see who that 11th person is. Why not? So Darius Geis went uh, with the 401, 37 overall. Duke Johnson, Alshon Jeffrey. Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Luck, Tyreek Hill, Terrell Pryor, Jordan Matthews, Jordan Howard, and Corey Coleman. So we have a lot of misses here, guys. Five of these guys were outside of the top 48. And it is interesting. And some of this stuff has to do with, with injury. I think with Andrew Luck, obviously, um, his ADP would be higher if it wasn't for this lingering injury of his. Terrell Pryor, a guy that had a lot of potential and just um, – I guess that wasn't injury, was it? That was just, um, <laughs> you know, not living up to the potential. It's amazing. His ADP is 219, and he went uh, 43rd overall here. That, it, it, what, a, what a drop. I mean, him and Dez, uh, this whole list are guys that really stand out for drops. Uh, Jordan Matthews, injury. I think that, that has a lot to do with why he w- is uh, 168 overall now. And Corey Coleman's a guy that's been injured and just not lived up to it. So thoughts here. It's interesting. A lot of, a lot of misses. Um, and I, I guess I think probably if you were to do this a full, you know, however many rounds, the later you go, the more misses you're going to have. Right. This is where things were getting spicy. This is where the takes were happening. It is early on in our, uh, what our like podcasting career with, with, with each of us. And I think we were all trying to 
potentially plant a flag on some players and what we were doing. <laughs> and this is what happens. I mean, you just, you, you swing for the fences. And one thing that I've learned in the, in the entire time that we've been doing this is sometimes swinging for the fences uh, sucks and it's going to, it's going to really, really hamper your team. Like I was at this time uh, listening heavily to, to player profiler. And so Duke Johnson was being touted as, you know, this guy is the future and, and he can do what he do. And he had a good season. You know, he's finished as RB1. So you think a fourth round pick for an RB1 from last year, it's going to be a steal. Well, it turns out that uh, the the way that the usage and what they're doing, and, and from now, like, he's, he's dropping like so far. But I was so happy about that Duke Johnson take when I, when I put that in there. We even chatted about it quickly. And, and now, like, if, if I was forced to take Duke Johnson in the fourth round, I would just be like, maybe, maybe this league isn't for me. <laughs> and the other thing too, this shows, which is interesting about this exercise is how situations change so much because with Duke Johnson, you know, I would argue that his situation changed big time. They signed Carlos Hyde and then they, they draft Chubb. So, um, so uh, also Jarvis Landry going back to the third round, I, I guess his ADP generally is, um, the, the same where we draft him in this exercise, but you know, situations change and, and this exercise shows, how dramatically the situations can change. Trey, um, other thoughts this fourth round? We didn't do so hot. No, no. We started off hot with the Darius guys. That that was really the only – well, no, Tyreek Hill was another one. That was a nice nice pick by Will there. That team, man, I mean, if because we were looking at these as individual teams we're building. That probably my, my favorite right. team of all these there to, you know, Will starting with Antonio Brown, Tyreek Hill, Melvin Gordon, and Dalvin Cook. That's, that's a pretty – I mean, I think anybody sitting on those four guys after, I mean, you know, you look at it now and, you know, Brown's a first rounder. Um, Cook is uh, actually Cook, Hill, and Gordon are all second rounders. So that was a nice team you built there. Um, Will, I had something pretty special going with with my team uh, that was two picks before you until I hit the Jordan Matthews. That was a bad and, – and, you know, it is there, it is situation and, and so much can change. And I, I think that this is a good – a good exercise. I'm really, you know, and, and I know it, it stalled out on me, um, but I think having done this and, and had the opportunity to reflect back on it, we, we talked about that we just started one for 2019 and um, I'm excited to hopefully carry it a little further, maybe six or eight rounds. Um, and like Will said, um, we were planting our flags on some guys, you know, I'm a big believer in Sammy Watkins. And I think that you know, putting him at the end of the first round seems pretty crazy. And, and I'm just glad I, you know, I, I was chatting with Ryan, I think before you joined us, Will off the air. Um, and I, I was like, when I, when I went, I remember Devonte Parker and um, I, w- I went to the, to the sheet and I was like, yes, I wasn't the one that took Devonte Parker. Um, but yeah, I do. <laughs> I, I think it's a great exercise to, cause I don't think any of us were, you know, looking for huge glory plays here, but we probably took some chances um, because obviously, you know, the safe thing would be to do is to take the guys that are valued in those spots right now, but that's not what we were trying to do. We, we were trying to predict, you know, looking one year in advance who we thought had an opportunity to gain value and jump up to these spots. And so I, I think it's a really good exercise. I think you learn a little bit about yourself. I mean, I see, I, I look through my picks I see a lot of guys that I believed in this time last year, you know, the Keenan Allen's, the Deandre Hopkins that I was right about um, the Travis Kelsey's, but then I see guys that I believed in that I was wrong about in, you know, um, Allen, well, Allen Robinson was injury related, but you know, Sammy Watkins. And, and even though I didn't pick him, 
you know, Devontae Parker, um, you know, Amari Cooper, who I took fifth overall that, you know, I really believed in. And so I, I think it's a really incredible exercise. And, and like Will mentioned, I think everyone would really benefit by doing this, going through and ranking the top 50 players that you think will be, you know, for ADP in a year and then looking back on it in one year and kind of reflecting. Yeah. And learn, learn from your mistakes. Like remember when we drafted Mike Gillisley and we were all super, super pumped about it. And, you know, he, he went off right away and it was a huge value. And now he would be, would be shocked if he's still on a team come, come the start of the season. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just, but that was quick. He was a fifth round dynasty startup pick, you know? Right. It's those, it's those kind of things in dynasty that, the, the lessons you learn as you go along and you're, you're never going to get them all right. Don't, don't ever expect that you will because you were right about Mike Gillespie and you were king of the castle for like three weeks. <laughs> you know, you were, you were like running around with your shirt off outside about it. And then now that by the end of the year, he was not even playing. Like he was just done. Right. Right. Yeah. Or Terrell Pryor. <laughs> or Terrell Pryor. Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely like Corey Davis that with eighth pick overall. That was a, a flag plant. And, um, uh, you know, I think, you know, that was me hoping he was going to go off in his rookie year. And I guess if he would have, which didn't happen, he, he might climb to that first round. So, yeah, no, th- yeah, a lot of these picks are just because we were going to be aggressive and think, think outside of the box. And it was definitely worth doing and fun. And it's going to be fun to look at this a year from now when we do our 2019 Dynasty Startup. Or we're doing it now when we look at it a year from now. So. Oh, yeah. Flag under planet. It took Saquon 1-1. There you go. I like it. That's fun. A little preview for next year. But you also, you also could have expected when you took Corey Davis there for the Titans to rush for more touchdowns than what they threw for. That, that offense was a complete mess. But you were coming off a season before that where Mariota was hyper-efficient. They just It's just a Corey Davis who was highly touted as, as a, the number one receiving prospect coming in the draft. He had the, the hype around him and coming in as a rookie was – astronomical uh and he, you know he's a really he's still a really great prospect but you could not have expected for the, the the titans to tank so hard on their offensive production like they did it was it was just shocking you know demarco murray was a, an rb he's just a stud in 2016 and then 2017 he was worthless basically to your team you couldn't start him like what were you gonna do hey what the, the, the titans in general uh the only person that you could really start week week uh week in and week out was delaney walker yeah, that's true. Very true. And he got injured, um, you know, in the, in the preseason that, that hindered his progress as well. Before we close, I want to thank uh, two of our Patreon subscribers, Corey Deaton and Jeremy Forster. So thanks guys. Thanks Corey and Jeremy. Yeah. If you, if you want to join them and have access to our exclusive uncut unedited uncensored version of the fantasy joes do it go to patreon.com slash fantasy joes so thanks again for listening to another episode of the fantasy joes you can contact us directly at the fantasy joes at gmail.com or at ff joes on twitter we want your feedback let us know what we're doing what you want from us we come at you weekly very early monday mornings with new episodes but be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode and leave us a review but only if it's a positive one, please. You find us all on Twitter. Trey is at Trey Barrett. Will is at Finney Joe underscore Will. And I'm at Roto Librarian. On behalf of Trey Barrett and Will Greenwood, I'm Ryan Livergood. And we are the Fantasy Joes. Fantasy Joes. Fantasy Joes.
Tennessee Jones. Oh.